0: Welcome to the Vegan Dharma Podcast. I am Laura Nadia, the Vegan Dharma Coach. You're about to hear from an amazing human, a story of how they embody their soul's purpose. Open your mind, your heart, and your soul to receive this message today. First, let's take three deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. Breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Inhale, exhale, inhale, letting your belly get nice and big with air, and gently release. Now we're grounded and we're ready to invite our guest. Enjoy
1: all right our guest today on the vegan dharma podcast is johnny pardo he's based in bristol in the uk he's been vegan for about three and a half years and he's a certified confidence coach and neuroencoding specialist a podcast host of the self-esteem and confidence mindset podcast as well as a published author of seven books ranging from nonfiction to self-help so welcome johnny
2: Thank you for having me, Laura. It's great to be here and yeah, really looking forward to our conversations today. So yeah, really excited.
1: Me too. I'm super excited to have you on and to get all of your tips and hacks for being more confident and putting yourself out there in this world. So how did you get involved in becoming a confidence coach?
2: So I got into the personal growth in a more sort of general way and the self-improvement before I got into the confidence area. And when I got into the personal growth area, you get into a lot of realizations as you're growing yourself and you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and do things you haven't necessarily done before. And for me, that added together with a couple of challenging moments in life, I really started to actually see how low my self-esteem was. The difference for me between self-esteem and confidence is self-esteem is about how much you like yourself. And confidence is about your trust and your abilities. And we can have different confidence for different things in life. Like I'm quite confident at writing a book or talking to someone on my podcast or something like that. But ask me to sing. No confidence. And people tell me not to. But that's fine. I, and I like myself for who I am and what I've got. But I was in this phase of realizing I really had this low level of self-esteem and it was really impacting me. And although I'd be confident in some areas of my life, I just got to a point when it was really, really low, my self-esteem and confidence and holding myself back in certain things. And then I went, I'm going to make a commitment to boost mine up. Because I had this growth factor within me that I really wanted to grow. And I was like, I'm going to make every commitment to learn as much as I can about confidence, read the books, and then implement the things. And it started, you know, giving me results. And it's not just the knowledge. We actually have to implement stuff we learn, else it doesn't change. When I started to work more on myself, I realized how much of a challenge it is for many, many people in life. People's self-esteem and confidence. Lots of people don't like themselves and lots of people don't trust themselves to do something. And many cases, we're talented and we've got the potential. So I really saw that this was an area people were struggling in. And therefore, I thought, this is my area of coaching. I've learned stuff and I've developed myself. And this is something I could really give to other people. And I started noticing these ripple effects. And I'd heard of when you impact on someone, builds their confidence, they then go out and make an impact on other people. So for me, that was a great benefit to see someone grow and actually offer what they've got and provide the tools, the techniques and all the learnings I had gained from my own journey. That's how I got into the area and then created the podcast, started writing more on that, whether it was on my blogs and sharing and coaching in that area.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like you've had a lot of experience and being in a low self esteem mindset and an unconfident mindset. So what are some sorts of thoughts and maybe habits that people commonly have that are in that phase versus a higher level of themselves?
2: Yeah. So when you don't like yourself so much in like the low, low self esteem, it's typically a lot of negative self talk and criticism. And I've got people close to me that I've seen have this as well. It's this criticism and it can vary. I mean, all of us could improve it, but it's typically criticizing ourselves, not being able to take praise on board, being fearful. Fear is a natural thing for any human being on the planet every human being experiences fear we have a part of our brain that produces that to keep us alive but however it doesn't always distinguish between the life or death fear like suddenly if we see this lion jump out we'll run away hopefully you don't see a lion coming out in front of you anytime soon but then it starts looking for fate changes like what someone thinks of us when it's really we can't control this thing now when we're in this state of a lack of confidence We allow the fear to hold us back from doing anything rather than realising it's a natural part. It's showing that we're often going to progress ourselves, coming out of the comfort zone a little bit. And therefore, it's a perfectly normal reaction. The difference is between someone who boosts their confidence and becomes more confident is they'll move through that fear anyway. And I see people with this low level of confidence and belief in themselves will often hold themselves back. I just used to think, our oh, confident people don't have any fears. They're just confident, which is a complete and utter lie. It's just our ability to go through it. Now, sometimes if the fear is too great, then you break it down into smaller steps and build it. So the negative self-talk, a lack of praise for ourselves, holding ourselves back from fear. And another one I often see is accepting bad situations, whether it's from people or circumstances in their life and feeling not empowered to change it. That's often something I see realizing they're more capable of they are. They tend to be more focused on what they can't control. So those would probably be the key ones I definitely see in my area of work. And It sounds like quite common sense what I'm saying, but when you're in your own head and your own emotions, we can't always think logically. So that's why what you and me do, Laura, and many people do is coach and help people see that and get them to understand these emotions and move forward.
1: Right, like what you were just describing sounds like that victim mentality, right? All these horrible things are happening to me and I have no power to change Mm. anything. And depending on what's going on, you might not be able to change your situation. And maybe the things that are happening are horrible, but the way that you internalize it and allow it to hold yourself back from doing what you want in life, that is more of a choice, right? Than an actual fixed situation.
2: Yeah, and I'm really glad you said that point. There are things in life which happen and we might be born into bad situations or they may come along down the line. Now, that's not your fault. These bad things do happen to people, unfortunately, and to some good people, some great, amazing people out there. Like you say, it's about understanding it. And I've seen celebrities, they might be, you know, quite good looking, quite attractive, got the money, got the fame, got talent. People like Heath Ledger, Robin Williams, mm. they really didn't like themselves. And obviously we've seen the worst case scenario. And one of my heroes is a guy in the Tony Robbins event. His name's Nick Stanton Stover. He's about 24, 25 years old, born with no legs, one arm, and he's a bodybuilder. And he goes to the gym, works out every single day. And his mentality is, I'm blessed that I'm able to hop to the gym, use my one arm and work out and speak to you and inspire all of you. So, yeah, we have a choice on how we respond to things is absolutely key. And you can see some people like Oprah Winfrey, who had a really tough start to her life. Uh, One of the most inspirational women on the planet, not just rich financially, but rich emotionally and inspirational and a great leader for us all out there. So, yeah, totally great point about we don't always control what happens to us, but it's how we respond to it. That's key.
1: Yeah, I love what you said originally as well in your first four points, which was the comparison of the fear-based response, that survival instinct response Mm. that I'm getting chased by a lion response that you mentioned. (laughs) versus that higher brain that I like to call it survive versus thrive brain. So mm-hmm. it's, it's that one that's coming more from love. It's coming from hope. It's coming from basically your authentic self versus these things that are just kind of biologically programmed in us to protect us from dangers that may or may not be real. So how do you see that manifest in your clients when they tell you about these thoughts or issues that they're having? When do they think in the survive brain versus the thrive brain? Like how do they get there? How do they make that change?
2: Yeah, the common one I've experienced, if I get a range of different situations, is worrying about what other people think. And it's really well described in the book, The Gift of Fear by Gavin de DeBeck. And it actually talks about public speaking in that instance, the fear of what other people think. Your brain's attaching that to a need for survival, because if we're not liked by other people, it's kind of associating it with life or death. Public speaking, I suppose, whether people like us, it's very similar. It's like, oh, do they like us? And actually, they're getting so fearful on that, that they're holding themselves back. To get into the thrive, it's really important to realise your why, like why you want to really thrive. That's often a big shift, having a strong enough reason to go forward. If you want to be a coach, for example, like say you want to be like a mindset coach or something, and then you're like a bit fearful about putting yourself out there because of what other people think. But actually, you've got a strong enough why that you want to go out and save lives, you want to go out and change lives, and then you really tap on into that. That's key. And I've seen that in different areas of people's lives. And I think one of the key ones is neuroassociations. associations. We do things out of pain or pleasure, basically. And whichever one's greater will contribute to the behavior. So if you want to go speak to that person you're attracted to at the bar and your pleasure is, oh, pretty girl or pretty boy, whoever you're into. And then you're like, okay, that's the pleasure. But the pain is rejection, rejection, rejection. The rejection is stronger so it holds someone back. And then you could also do that for a coach example, the pleasure, helping people change their lives, doing what you love, make a living out of it. But the pain is the rejection is stronger or the judgment But actually looking at the pain of not doing it and making that pain worse, now it sounds quite negative, but it's a pain to drive you to go to where you want. People often think at the moment, okay, I'm avoiding the pain. If you get people to tap into the pain that it might have caused them in the past, it's going to cause them in the present and what it's going to cause them in the future of not taking the action, that's often the big shift. You really feel like what's going to happen in five years time. If you keep veering doing things. So the big shift in people is actually realizing their why, what they're doing actually understanding what's going to happen if they don't take action and making sure that pain is worse than the pain of rejection. And then actually another shift is helping them see what they've overcome in the past. Because if you can actually have that conversation with that survival part of the brain and say, we thought this was a life or death situation in the past and we've achieved this, you start having that dialogue. It's about managing the brain correctly and having little shifts like that. Those would probably be some of the biggest things that help people make the shift. What do people think of me? Am I really good enough to do this? That's another point I'll we'll probably talk about later and how you talk to yourself.
1: Mm, I love that. Yeah, the fear of rejection, the fear of other people's judgment. And will they not like me? Will I get separated from the tribe and starve to death, basically, which it's not that drastic in modern life, but that's our survival instinct, yeah. right? We can't be separated because we might die. <laughs> Being a little over dramatic with our survival brain right now. But it sounds like you, firstly, think it's so important for people to essentially find their purpose, to find their Dharma, their soul's Mm -hmm. purpose, to have a reason why they're here, how they can be of service to other people and envision that pain of what if I don't fulfill that mission? What if I don't do that work that I was meant to do here for other people, not just for myself? It's bigger than me. So, yeah, Dharma is everything, right? That's why we're here. So, how would you describe your dharma, your soul's purpose?
2: Yeah, it's interesting when I got onto the conference thing and I'm 30 now, but I was 25, I think. I, I remember being in a meeting and it very much, it, it definitely was no purpose. But I remember being at work in like a standard day job in the public sector. In the UK, that's accounts or local government. And I remember just seeing here, but there's all these women who are in the program and they were more into it. But I just remember falling asleep. I remember just being in the meeting going, God, this is boring. My brain starts asking the questions. And it's the questions you ask your brain that make the difference and then taking action on it. I didn't take much action on it at first, but I do now. I'm always like decision, action, decision, action. Try not to make a decision and then not take an action. You need to be quick on it. But I just remember thinking, is this really like this really like deep question on Monday morning? And then just thinking, I'm trying to work a $30,000 job. You've got to be grateful for what you've got, but it's not wrong to want more. And I'm on a temporary contract trying to get this so I can get a mortgage and then retire at 65. And I'm just like, this can't be life. Just this really deep thing in my head. And I suppose I've got to find something to do with my life. Seriously. I went and I thought, what do I like doing? What do I like doing as a kid? I quite like writing. Maybe I'll start writing a book and I'll start writing books it was like no effort. I just started writing children's fiction and then I just kept writing and writing and writing. I'd written a few books and I learned if you put a good product out there, they will not come. You actually have to market it and share it for people to come for your service or products. And I didn't know that for about four years or I was being lazy and not doing it. But I just love writing. I was just book after book after book, which sounds really hard for some people, but I found, wow, this is something I love doing. And then I got myself a mentor. I started to think, how can I get better and sell more? So then I got into this whole personal growth world. And then I was like, this actually feels like me. And there were signs earlier in my life, but I just go through life, going out boozy at weekends and just the general cycle of work, football or soccer in the States, and then going out. And then the realization was when I got into confidence, people would just be like, how did you get like confident like that? And can you give me any advice on this? And wow, well, you you know, you put yourself on camera quite confidently then. And I was like, nobody is making like a central area of self-esteem and confidence in the way I was thinking it should be done. This is a mission. Yeah, felt really, really good. So I found the love of personal growth first. And every time I talk about it, it just always lit me up and it still does.
1: Wow. So there were some really good nuggets in there. One of them that I love is that you refer back to your childhood. What brought me joy when I was Mm. a kid? We throw a lot of that out because at some point I think you're told that it's not rational or it won't make money or it's useless or whatever other limiting beliefs that were placed onto us by usually external sources that we then internalize, right? So, what brought me joy as a kid? I love that. And then noticing the cycles, the habits that you're repeating as well. Is this actually serving me? Am I enjoying the routine that I've established for myself? And sounds like it was working the day away, then drinking the day away, then watching TV the day away. And honestly, that's how the majority of us in the Western world kind of operate now. It's kind Mm -hmm. of just socially accepted that you sign on to this job and you just sign your life away. And there's not supposed to be that much joy in it. You're just supposed to work and not enjoy your work. And that is such a key thing that you mentioned there is finding the joy, finding the joy that you had when you were younger and the joy that you have now as you're older as well, that work doesn't have to be this like miserable thing all the time. It can make you happy. Of course, there's little tasks you have to do here and there. You have to pay your taxes and stuff and do your spreadsheets, but it should be lighting you up. You should be energized by it, not having your energy drained.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, like conversations like this, and then the coaching staff and then making podcasts, yeah, definitely lights you up. So I'd say that like a key message is don't accept a standard where you're not really lit up by it. Don't accept the general standard. It's a big impact if you've got people around you, the use of that can be quite difficult. So it's always good to go out and meet new people who've got similar interests. We chat to each other, We've got vegan communities. When you've got that dream or that purpose, it's great to surround yourself with people of a similar mind as well, which I know both of us have.
1: Yeah, what Johnny's referring to is that we actually met virtually through an online fitness challenge community, and we continue to be involved with many people from that challenge to this day. And this is all post COVID as well. So there's ways to network with people and to find community, even when we can't do it in person, it's not impossible in regular life. It's not impossible virtually. And I would say that that's a huge part of confidence, right? Is finding, they like to use the word tribe. Sometimes finding your tribe, finding a community that you vibe with finding a place that you do fit in and not just trying to put on that mask and tucker through it but actually they accept you for who you are when you do your little weird things and they see your quirks and you make your dad jokes or whatever that they truly enjoy your company and they accept you for who you are
2: yeah i totally agree with that I've been pretty good, actually, in certainly the last five years or so. I don't really allow any toxic or negative people, malicious people into my life at all. That's something I probably fortunately picked up from an early age. I've divided my friends and family into different categories. So there's some I can be in the more personal growth world. I can be more me, share my ideas and confidence and self-esteem. Now, I never hide back who I am. And that's something I always encourage, be the authentic you. But you can be more of you with the right kind of people around. So I've got groups or a couple of mates that we go on holiday most years pre-COVID. And then I've got some other mates I'll see occasionally. I've got my football, my sports teams, and these guys, really, really great human beings, but not necessarily in the whole personal growth world. And I wouldn't necessarily have the conversation we're having with any of them. Maybe the odd person's interested and they have like being like, oh, you're right, book. That's quite interesting. It's always great. Give them advice if they want any. But there's certain groups you can be more of yourself. I'm blessed with two wonderful parents. They've both been teachers for their whole life. So I don't necessarily have the conversation with them about the entrepreneurship journey and building your coaching business or coaching podcasts and stuff like that, because it's not necessarily something they buy into. So you don't necessarily need to kick people out of your life who aren't like 100% the same as you on your mission. But it's good to have different options and different communities available to you. Now, obviously, if you've got genuine toxic people in your life, you want to remove them because they're not going to make you feel good. But it's great to go out and meet many people. And we've got a virtual world, like you say, where it's even more plausible as much as possible.
1: Mm, absolutely yeah I love what you're describing there with the different levels of relationships the way I like to visualize it is almost like a target in the middle it's just you right because you're the only one who you can truly be yourself with nobody knows you except for you and then there's just these circles cascading around it from different distance. So people that you feel comfortable sharing pretty much everything with are the closest to you. And then there's going to be, you know, family is a little bit out there because you don't necessarily share everything with your parents, for instance, and maybe you're not going to twerk in front of them, but that doesn't mean that you don't love them. They're still close. It's perfectly okay to establish those boundaries and to realize that there's certain things that you can and probably shouldn't talk about. You can come out with certain things, but you might receive that judgment or criticism that gets you pulling back a little bit. And that's probably a good confidence suggestion there, right, is to know who you can come out and be fully yourself with and who you should maybe tone it down a little bit or stick to certain topics.
2: Yeah. And when you said that, something came to mind about people trying to control or expect something different from someone they can't change. And that's often someone who's been close to them, whether it's a friend or family member. But you can't change another human being. You can influence another human being, but you need to pay attention to who you are and want to be and then surround yourself with the great people as much as possible. Obviously, you can have some kind of relationships with other people at different levels, like we're talking about the boundaries. But if you're surrounding yourself, with people who are constantly negative and it's going to be really challenging even if you're doing all some of the internal work the exercises even if you're doing that as much as possible if you're constantly surrounded by negativity it is going to be really hard for your confidence and believing in yourself and trusting yourself having that good self-confidence and your self-esteem, actually, because you start to doubt who you are and like who you are as a person. So yeah, that's really important. The great line is one of my favorite quotes is the quality of your life is in proportion to the quality of your peer group, which I think is really key. And people can push you as well. That's always good to get.
1: Mm, Yeah, I forget who said this, but it was something along the lines of you are the average of the five or six people you spend the most time with. And I think that's so interesting, right? Because we are social animals, and we pick up cues from other people, we pick up even language, the way that you talk. Sometimes you might talk more formally when you're at work. And then Mm. when you're with your friends, you let an F bomb drop here and there. We do adapt to our surroundings. We're meant to do that in so many ways. So I love that you mentioned that it does matter who you surround yourself with, because you will be influenced by
2: them yeah there's the people you surround yourself with whether it's online or in person things are sort of opening up but i also think the information you're listening to is really really key as well it's kind of linked to the person because if you're listening to someone's podcast laura's for example on a regular basis and you've got these good vibes good energy come in you give off that's going to be completely different than if you're listening to the news or something that's going to upset you or induce a bit more fear into you that doesn't make you feel so good. When I'm listening to Tony Robbins, he's getting into my mind and I'm trying to think like him a bit. Now, that's not a bad person to think like. And then if I'm listening to those kind of people, Joseph McClendon, one of my other heroes, he did the neuroencoding qualification. But if I'm listening to these really positive, energetic, highly intelligent people, You've got a choice and you can listen to free podcasts. It doesn't cost anything most of the time. I pay for a couple of Tony's programs because they've got an extra level. But listening to that day in, day out as well is a really, really big impact to build your confidence and belief because you're hearing it from someone who's done it, who's gone through that. And they've got that belief in their self and you'll be like, wow, that's possible. That's possible. Also, if you are listening to someone going, life's really hard, it's not good. That is going into your mind all the time. Stand guard to the door of your mind because you've got to be very careful what's going in. Obviously, you can't protect it from every negative thing you hear, but what you're listening to regularly, as well as the people you're hanging out with, is going to play a big role to how you feel about yourself, life and other people as well.
1: Mm -hmm, I love that. Yeah. Some of the trending things these days are talking about things like manifestation and law of attraction. And people are really into mantras and affirmations these days saying, I am whole, I am beautiful, I am strong. And if you're listening to this and thinking about saying that to yourself, or even hearing me say it kind of triggers you a little bit, then that should maybe be a sign that you might need more affirmations (laughs) in your life. Sometimes when you say these things until you actually are comfortable with them, It's because you actually don't believe them yet. And the more you hear it, the more the brain allows you to believe them. I love that you brought up the news and the way the news is conveyed popular media. It's so sensationalized. It's so scary. They're always telling you all these horrible things that are happening. And you had mentioned one of the things about gaining confidence being if you're stuck in the fear mindset, and you're not taking any action to get rid of those fears or to do something else, then you're going to be stuck there and feel powerless. So that's what the news does, right? Is they tell you something, they don't tell you how to react. So here's something scary. And I'm just going to leave you with that information versus what you're talking about with listening to like a Tony Robbins podcast and he's giving you all sorts of advice
2: Yeah, yeah, he certainly is. The challenge with listening to him is he gives you an exercise every 30, 40 minutes. I'm like, Tony, you said I could listen to this in my extra time when I'm working out, but now you're giving me an exercise. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, I get what he means. You do it the first time, you write it down or save it. You know, I don't want to knock the news too much. There's some great, amazing people work in that industry and they're doing their jobs and they're people worth earning a living. But the news tends to be trying to hook us with some of this fear-induced stuff. So things can get blown out of proportion sometimes. I'm not saying it's all lies, but that's kind of what it's doing to get people hooked into it. It's creating that fear. So it's really important that you are careful what you listen to rather than trying to hear things that are blown out of proportion. And I like what you're saying about the affirmations. That's also very key, what you're saying to yourself as well as the information. I tend to do incantations, body movement and emotion. So it really goes in. I like what you were saying about repetition, because that always, if you're doing something over and over again, that's going to have an effect. I like to add that level of emotion and movement, like jumping on my trampoline, rebounder behind me and shouting out stuff. I'm usually shouting out from the post-it notes. So it's things like, I'm choosing to live in a beautiful state today rather than the suffering state. I'm wonderful and have a great message for people. And it's really, I want to believe that because if I've even got a part of me that's like communicating to people and I'm thinking, Johnny, don't talk. You're not worth hearing. I need to get into my system and I feel it. So it gets in my subconscious mind. So I'm driven and I naturally come from a place of what I want to say is worth it. So I'll be saying, I'm amazing. I'm courageous and things like that. And then just saying things over and over again. And they are words you have to believe. So... If you want to be, you know, a millionaire, nothing wrong with being a millionaire. I'd love to be a millionaire. And in my opinion, is sort of like money. is what you do with money, it counts, like the experiences, what you're going to do for other people. If you were to say, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, your brain's probably going to be like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not. But if you start saying something like, I am working for my financial abundance, I'm working on my wealth every single day. I'm working towards being a millionaire every single day. something you can feel and that resonates with you and makes you feel empowered adding emotion and intensity and movement as well is a really really key exercise that i often promote
1: yeah i love that you introduce not only movement but the emotion and even when you're coming up with the affirmations incantations mantras whatever you want to call them how you want to feel because who cares if you're a billionaire if you're not happy right maybe you'll manifest that money, maybe you'll get rich quick with some scheme, but where do you want to be? And how do you want to feel? How does that affect Mm -hmm. you saying I am a billionaire? Like, are you feeling something, something wonderful when you feel into that word billionaire? Or is what you're saying? Actually, I have money, what are you using it for? Why does it matter that you have money in the first place? Right? So that's Mm -hmm. so key that you're adding that emotion behind it, that meaning.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm not a massive fan of listening to a meditation where someone else has given me the affirmations. I feel like I want them to be from me and what I want to believe in who I am. What do you value and what do you want to feel and visualizing them can help as well. And I'm trying to visualize it into your mind. So you're sort of engaging those senses.
1: Yeah, people might think hearing that you're a confidence coach or an expert on being confident Oh, Johnny must be so confident. He never has any doubts or fears or any worries. And he just does things. And it's so easy for him. (laughs) So is that voice, let's call it little Johnny. Does little Johnny ever still come out and say things to you? And how does that manifest? Do you ever still have issues with your confidence? And how do you push through it?
2: Yeah, well, I do have fears. I do have doubts that come up. For example, when I was in my day job about six years ago, they even say my name in a meeting, introduce myself, was terrifying. If I was like, I'm um, John, I'm here to take the notes. Please move on to the next person. Now I'm just like, I'll do the report. After that, like a few years later down the line when I've been in the job, I've been like, okay, we've got a presentation to do. I'll be like, I'll present, but can someone else do the graphics? <laughs> it just, it's like that now. So that's kind of like a transformation in itself. Even when I began my coaching, when you start talking to people about your coaching business, okay, there's a fee to it, or you're investing in yourself. It's horrendous, the amount of imposter syndrome, feeling like you're not good enough, and who are you, and doubting your ability to do something. It was horrendous. And then I threw that. But There's plenty of examples I hear of the people, like really highly charismatic, confident people. One of my heroes, Dean Graziosi, was probably one of the best marketers and salesmen in the planet. Really caring and giving guy comes to sales from that perspective and helping people grow. He says he gets imposter syndrome and he's come out in crowds. Now, someone like Tony doesn't get that so much now because he's done it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. But I found for me personally, as you hit a new level, you do something new. It's always going to come out because that's just your brain going back to that fear mechanism and saying, Whoa, 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 let's calm down. It's not concerned. The amygdala part of the brain, the survival instinct within it, which is part of the limbic system, the survival part of the brain. Again, it's not concerned about your progression and your happiness. When we progress, we tend to get happier because we're moving towards something we're growing, but it's not concerned with that. It's concerned about your survival and it's thinking, Wow, we're doing something new. Whoa, 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 be careful. So, If I'm going to do something new, so if you ask me to present in front of like 10,000 people or 1,000 people now, and after I've been doing lots of these virtual ones, I'd absolutely do it. But would I be nervous before going out? Of course I would, but I'd have to go through. So even when I'm like perhaps talking to someone who's maybe going to be a bigger client coming on board, I'm going to be a little bit nervous because it's a new person. Now, I'm not going to be nervous to the point that I can't talk or anything like that. I have techniques and anchors used to bring me back into the confidence. So yeah, certainly what I experienced, but then it comes back to the dialogue with yourself and actually being self-aware that it's a perfectly normal response, telling your brain it's okay, don't worry, it's not a life or death situation, telling it you're not going to die because that's what your brain's actually rooting it down to. One of the quickest ways to shift fear in the moment is to change your body and actually changing your body physiology can make a big difference. So I think you're doing the Wonder Woman pose, and that's a really, really good one. And actually, if you do the power pose for two minutes, it reduces cortisol stress hormone in the body and makes you feel more confident. Moments where I'm doing something new, yes, it's always going to pop up, but I realise that and I'm aware of that. The pain of me not doing it and then regretting it is more than the pain of failure for me, and that's how I train myself me knowing i've not tried is so painful for me and that's the neuro associations i've made myself think that actually i cannot not go through with it because that certain worry will it go right will i fail or will i mess up it's not that painful compared to the other things but i use tricks like my anchors which is part of neuro encoding body language and talking myself and talking calmly to the brain not fighting it because if you fight it, it only gets worse so yeah, certainly I do experience it. in those couple of the ways I use to work through it a little bit.
1: I'm sure it's comforting for people to hear that even great speakers and celebrities mm. and people you think that are just the most confident in the world are still having that automated fear response because it is related to survival. And you brought up the amygdala and the brain and you're a neuroencoding specialist, can you explain what that is and how that ties into confidence?
2: Yeah, of course. So neuroencoding is something I got certified in. It's not like a huge, long six month coaching course. It's a very short teaching, which is the best of Dr. Joseph McClendon taught. And he's one of Tony Robbins business partners. And he's one of the lead speakers at this event. Hilarious man his life work that he's done and neuro and he founded this brain revolution which it's also got daniel Amen in it as well and he teaches how to look after your brain in terms of the hardware the physical condition the food you eat make sure you've got like vitamin d got your vitamin b's in and you've got your omega threes but the joseph side the neuro side is more about the psychology and it's about making your brain work for you than against you and doing trigger points that can actually train your nervous system to flip back to empowered states. It's not about saying you're never going to feel negative in your life again, because that's a false expectation that's only going to lead into disaster. If we're like, I'm never going to feel negative again, I'm always going to have 100% confidence and no fear, because that's unrealistic and impossible. Neuroencoding is about defaulting your behavior so it serves you and getting the brain to help you be in this empowered state most of the time through little anchors and things like that that really can bring the best out of you. It's certainly something I've enjoyed working through and like giving clients little tricks within it.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating so obviously we're both vegan and it is extremely important to take account of your nutrition and physical well-being and how that ties into mind-body-soul connection all three are equally Mm -hmm. important and it will affect the way you think about yourself it's not just how you look but it's also how you're fueling your body how your brain is part of your body and if it's not being fueled correctly then you might be getting some thoughts you don't want to have especially if you're deficient in vitamins or minerals or nutrients that you mentioned so is that discussed at all as of neuroencoding as well?
2: The neuroencoding is not so much on new nutrition, although Joe's is very good with that stuff as well. But yeah, I've educated myself on the brain health side, and that's something I'm undergoing at the moment for a further certification because you can have the right psychology, which is the neuroencoding side, and getting psychology that works for you. But if you've not got the right foods and things going into your body to look after your brain and body, then it could be really difficult and challenging. You need the physical aid to it and you need the mental aid. So it's really important to take track of making sure you're not deficient in anything and you've got the right amount of vitamins you need and making sure, you know, we've all got different sensitivities, but making sure you're getting things that are going to make you feel good. And if you've got a lack of energy, it's always going to be hard to progress or doing anything. And when you make progress, you get more confidence because you do it. So yeah, definitely all interlinks. Yeah,
1: beautiful. So you went vegan about three and a half years ago. Did you find that it had effects on your confidence? How did it affect you?
2: Uh, Yeah, that's quite interesting because I was quite deficient in some things at first and I noticed my mood because I didn't add in enough vitamin D and I kind of had moments I was a bit like down to be honest and not feeling so good. I got a bit anxious at times. I read a book, it's called Unstoppable by a guy called Ben Angel. That's when I sort of got my learnings about these certain vitamins. I went and take a test and I was deficient in my vitamin Ds and things like that. So that kind of impacted how I felt about life and made sure, therefore, I upped it and researched and got the right things. How it helped, really, when you get the right balance in your vegan diet and eating natural. It creates more energy and therefore when you've got more energy, you feel better about yourself and others around you as well. And you're able to exercise that a little bit more harder and get better results and things like that. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. Like I slipped up, I must admit, bit. be honest, and open in the first year. I, there were cases where I slipped up in it. But then by the second year, I was just eating like fully vegan. And the slip ups weren't frequent as few times through the year. And most of them were because of alcohol induced states but now I wouldn't touch any meat or anything like that. And I just eat whole plant-based. So definitely, definitely had more energy for me. And therefore I can feel that and be a better version for me and others around me and then achieve more as well, progress more. It's not all about achieving. It's obviously feeling the energy. I'd say is more important so you can be a good impact for you and others around you. But yeah, that helped up my confidence, certainly.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's more important than having energy so that you can <laughs> mm, it's a of have life, yeah. fuel to do the things physically, to think, to have good energy around other people and connect with them. It's so, so key. So why did you go vegan in the first place? Can you tell me a little bit about your journey <laughs> into veganism?
2: Uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, some people go different reasons. Some people might develop cancer and decide to go vegan. There are other health reasons, but that's been quite a common one I've heard. I've heard very serious cases and obviously wish anyone the best who's kind of going through it. And then some people, obviously it's the love of animals, the planet and things like that, which is also a great reason. And actually I found out, you know, all the stuff that does happen in the world to animals and the planet. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I'm vegan. It was a little bit for the health. It was really for my own growth a little bit. Basically, I've got a friend who knows his nutrition and he went vegan. And I'll admit, when I was a teenager, I was very narrow-minded. I was very like, what are you a vegetarian for? And stuff like that. My mate would be telling me about it and I was not being vegan, eating quite a bit of meat actually and stuff like that. And I just thought, okay, fair enough. You know, open-minded to it. Didn't clock or anything like that. I just thought, okay, it's vegan, good for him. Interesting idea going vegan, isn't it? And I was talking to someone else and I was like, What's this vegan thing? And then someone else at work was just talking about vegan. And it just starts playing in my head. Why don't I try a vegan diet? Maybe that'll give me more energy. It'll be good for my growth. And then I can avoid the bad stuff. I can get more energy. And it'll be good for my health long term. I was like, hey, I'm going to try going vegan. Told my parents, and they're like, you, not going vegan. The amount of meat and stuff and eggs I used to eat. It's an interesting one. I still not figured it out, if I'm honest. Usually usually have a big enough why to go for it. But for me, it was something I tried. I felt good. I realized all the benefits as I learned more and more. And therefore, I stuck with it now my parents just accept sorry they weren't against me going vegan they just didn't believe i would do it because of the amount of meat i ate. And now they're just always cooking vegan meals when i go visit them brilliant parents and they don't eat that much meat either so they could rub off on them it was more just experimenting because the idea just got reinforced without anyone pushing it on me and then it's just something i stuck to and it became a habit within me <laughs> and i'm glad i've done it now
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's a little medley of all the reasons and that you saw it more as a gradual transition into the habits first and then the habits become the lifestyle, right? So are you that type of person where you like to try things a little bit at a time? Because I know I'm an all or nothing person. I went vegan overnight and I wasn't even doing it in a healthy way, but that's just me. Balls to the wall or nothing at all. And it's not always the best way to go, but some people are more slower transitioners, try it a little bit, see how it feels. Is that your style?
2: No, I tend to try and jump into things sometimes, but sometimes I try too much at once though. I always have to be wary of that but i transitioned to it like that for me like even though i had a lot of meat it wasn't hard giving up meat the chocolate was hard but then there's vegan alternatives which i kind of wish there wasn't sometimes because they're quite good now i always have to set my environment up and make sure i've got nothing tempting in the flat but yeah for the vegan side it was just a bit like go from there to there basically but no it sounds cool what you did as well just there uh, just went full in
1: Yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. And I definitely would suggest, (laughs) if you can to not do it that way and to go little by little and to make sure that you're surrounded by a supportive community, whether that's online or in person, because I did none of these things. And (laughs) you're just causing yourself a little more pain to not give yourself support and be supported by other people through these major life changes. So finding community, whether it's online or in person and doing little changes, whether it's meatless Monday or just going to the store and what's vegan there and just pick out some things that you like and find joy in it. It's not like a restrictive thing. You get to experiment and have fun. So definitely, I totally recommend doing it that way. And I would not recommend the cold tofurky route unless you really want to. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do the right thing, right?
2: Yeah, I've read a book recently, Willpower Doesn't Work, which is a great book. Willpower in the long term is not a sustainable solution. You could force yourself to decide to go like really intense exercise for two hours a day when you don't exercise at all. Might last about three days, maybe a week, typical new year resolution. You've got to set your environment up for success. So think about the foods in your apartment or house, what's around you. So if you were going to transition to vegan, making sure you don't have too many temptations There, I remember talking to a manager at work. He would be like, oh, I ate too many crisps again. And I was like, did you get rid of those crisps or your cupboard that I told you to? No there you go (laughs) it's just like your environment your brain can only have this so much don't eat that don't eat this but you know you can hold out for half a day or an hour whatever but if it's constantly in your home looking at you it's going to be difficult so try if you're transitioning into veganism try and have an environment set up to help you succeed with the right foods and things around you and if you do want that treat once a week or whatever go out and buy it your environment's going to be key for the transitioning as well
1: Right, definitely simple psychology there. Even something as simple as having a fruit bowl out and putting the crisp bar potato chips in British slang, by the way, for anyone who didn't know. (laughs) So putting the crisps or chips away in the cabinet and if you don't see them, you're gonna be less tempted. And then when you see the banana or apple or whatever it is, then you'll be more likely because it's an easy decision for you to make because it's right there in your face, right? So transitioning into veganism, it does take some confidence, right? Because it's at least at this point in time, it's kind of an act of rebellion. Italian, since it's not the norm, maybe five to 10% of the world is vegan. So in most social circles, you'll be doing something that your friends aren't doing, or at least they're not doing it full time. And you're going to be signing up for a little bit of extra work at the grocery store and restaurants and things like that. So it does take some confidence to step into being a vegan. So what tips would you have for somebody who's thinking about being vegan, or maybe right now they're kind of plant-based and they want to go full ball wall vegan? How do they develop that confidence? confidence to be 100 percent vegan
2: so in terms of like worried about like what others think and then showing up as that getting in a community of people is similar is quite key and with the internet these days we've got quite a lot like the vegan fitness community we've been part of obviously that's always encouraging uh, both the mental and physical side of things always encouraging you and what you're going for as well so that's always a great community to get involved with And then finding those right role models on Instagram. So if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar with Demi Delgado or Bianca Taylor, who are the lead examples in our community of many others. So seeing those role models to see it's possible and looking at that or finding there's plenty of examples you can find online, even though you say like 5-10% of the world, but that's still quite a lot of people. Going back to that inspiration and that community is going to be key around you and following that. Also actually going back to your why, like understanding why you're doing it and why that reason is more important than what so-and-so might think. And then actually praising yourself and crediting yourself for actually taking the action. I know you're quite a fan of journaling as well. If something upsets you or something and actually reflecting on it because progress starts with truth and then understanding why it's causing that. And then being able to actually ask yourself the question what am I going to do about that is going to be key because the <laughs> quality of our lives is impacted by our questions and asking that a little bit. And yeah, generally saying things you're going to believe to yourself. I'm an incredible vegan or whatever. That's just the first words that came to my head there. But whatever it might be for you that you can say to yourself over and over again, but having that good relationship with yourself so you don't seek it as much from other people. But you know, if you do get upset from what someone says, reflecting on it. So good communities and good role models out there to look after to kind of help you with that confidence that, you know, it's being done. And when we see as human beings that something's being done, that builds the confidence within ourselves. So that's always a great thing I like to do. Fill your mind with the right stuff rather than the wrong stuff. Again, you can't change other people, just to emphasize that again. You can only influence others. And the person who's really, really against vegans, you remember you can't change another person you can only be you and create influence and be a role model in the world
1: yeah beautiful yeah so you're you're not alone you're not weird <laughs> mm. you're not incapable of making the change but at the same time you might slip up a little bit that's okay and we are here to support you along your journey so this has been absolutely wonderful i super appreciate you being on the podcast and can you let the listeners know where to find you
2: well, my podcast is my main one, which is the self-esteem and confidence mindset. We talk about self-esteem and confidence as the podcast suggests and how in particular individuals can use that within careers and businesses, because it's a difficult journey as you growth journey that more challenges come up. So that's the podcast, but I'm also on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Find me, Johnny Pardo. So yeah, that's where people can find me, but I've really enjoyed our conversation today.
1: Awesome. Me too. And I believe you also have a website with a, a free guide on confidence there, right?
2: Thanks for mentioning that. I've got a, a free lots of goodies as well, actually on my website. I've got an extract from my latest book, The Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset about overcoming self-talk, overthinking and habits of highly confident people. So lots of free resources you can get on the website and the website's is johnnypardo.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Johnny. So, yeah, everyone, be yourself. Don't be too afraid what others think of you and go out in the world and enjoy your life. Live a life of purpose and you're going to be successful. Thank you, Johnny.
0: Uh, thank you, Laura. Thank you for tuning into the Vegan Dharma podcast. Keep in touch. Add me on Facebook and Instagram, Vegan Dharma Coach. If you're interested in one on one coaching to find your soul's purpose, send me a DM. Remember, You are more than this physical body, and we are meant to embody our soul's purpose. The world needs you just as you are. I will see you on the next episode of the Vegan Dharma Podcast.